Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to give you hope, offer insight, and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. Each week, Sarah, Amy, and Carrie will explore a theme, share an inspiring story, practical tips, and encouragement you can use every day. joining us today. Today's guest is Laura Hernandez. Laura is mama to 10 amazing kids. Three of her children were adopted from foster care and they have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. She has found her gifting in bringing peace to the chaos of the home through systems and helps other mamas to do the same. Welcome, Laura. We're so glad to have you here at Take Heart today. And Laura and I have a few things in common. We have big families. We're adoptive and bio moms. And we have kids with attachment disorder and fetal alcohol syndrome. So um, I say we have big families, but yours is bigger than mine. <laughs> so would you a like to? Bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, sometimes I say six kids feels like 12. So does 10 kids feel like 20? Sometimes. I feel like our our, our special three feel like 100 <laughs> sometimes. You know? Yeah. So if you could just give us a tell us a little bit about your family and your special needs journey to start to let our listeners get to know you. Yeah, so we have 10 kiddos and we live in the Dallas area, married to Tony. And we adopted, we're coming up on year six here, and we adopted a sibling group of three. And we had the oldest when he was a baby. He went into care, into foster care. And then he went back to his mom and she subsequently had two more kids. And so when we adopted, we got all three of them. Mm -hmm. um, so they are all biological siblings and they all have fetal alcohol syndrome mm -hmm. or spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. And so that has been a journey. It, it took a long time to figure that out. Um, like now educating myself, I feel frustrated and annoyed that no other experts that we went and saw when we were like, what's going on? That nobody knew, nobody said anything, no one was educated enough to know about it. And so I am like wanting to spread the word and really educate people and just put a light into that darkness because it feels lonely and it feels like there's something else here and nobody's giving you the answers. And so not that I have all the answers, nor am I a MD expert that can diagnose children with FASD, but I feel like I just want to shed light on that, onto that. You know, I would say that for our experience with FASD and reactive attachment disorder, I felt like I was like a mouse in a maze. I would get so far and then there'd be a wall. Mm -hmm. And then I'd turn a different way and try a different therapy and then there'd be a wall. And so I, I totally understand that feeling of um, not getting a diagnosis and, and people not really understanding what you're going through. And I think for moms out there that listen, that have kids with this, these kind of issues and have invisible disabilities, it's really frustrating because you just want a one and done diagnosis. And then you feel like, well, I could deal with that. Now, that's not really true, but um, it makes you at least feel that way. <laughs> What's going on? And and it's a it's not a, I don't know about you. I don't know if you could speak to this, but for us, it wasn't like, okay, FASD, now you can just go about your life. There's all kinds of variants and different behaviors and different kinds of ways it manifests in each kid. 
And that's frustrating too. So how do you, what would you have to say about that? Just have you experienced that too? We have definitely. Um, So we started out getting just a diagnosis here, a diagnosis here. So we've Mm -hmm. been diagnosed with everything under the sun. And again, on the other side, flip side of like learning more about FASD, I'm like, oh, well, it's that. And it looks like all of these other things. So it looks like depression. It looks like attachment Mm -hmm. disorder. It looks like autism and ADHD. And, you know, while they may also have those things as well, it's like under the umbrella of FASD and I don't know. We, we would get so far in like autism therapy and they'd be like, well, I'm not really sure that he is autistic because he can't, you know, so even mm-hmm. all the experts would be like, I don't know. He's got a lot of the things, but I don't really know what, and you're like, my goodness, if you don't know, who am I supposed to go to? Like you're right. the expert. Um, I went to a sleep specialist one time because we have some elopers, which is when <laughs> they get up and go around the house at night. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And the sleep specialist at the children's hospital here in Dallas. So not like a podunk little pediatrician person, like the <laughs> sleep expert. Right. His plan to deal with this was to peaky promise with my son that he wouldn't escape out of the window anymore at night. <laughs> I was livid. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is not, I'm like dragging him with all these things mm-hmm. off the shelf. And like, I, cause I need him to sleep. He needs to sleep and he needs to let everybody else sleep. And so I, I mean, that was like kind of the last, like, I, I don't know what to do. Like I'm, I'm done. Um, well, clearly I'm not done, but. <laughs> right. We all, we've all had that feeling. <laughs> you know, I found too, that, that when I would go to a, a specialist and I don't know if other moms that have kids with um, FASD feel this way, I felt like I had to have my PowerPoint. Like I was educating them on what I knew, which seems so upside down <laughs> when you're just searching for answers. I mean, it's ridiculous. I feel I, I've gone recently to <laughs> so doing, you know, dealing with all the chaos that they bring into your mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. And then along with that, you're like, well, I need to go to all these webinars and all these educational trainings on FASD so that I can be equipped so I can then teach the doctors and the therapist what's really going on with my child. And so I've like come up with different game plans of <laughs> making booklets to bring to them and educating mm-hmm. teachers at school because – if, if I'm not educating them, that means they're making up stories about me and my parenting right. and calling authorities and telling them right. things. And so I, I was very, very annoyed by this at first that we had a couple of years ago, we had a case where somebody, somebody had called CPS on us because my daughter was eating off the floor in the cafeteria. And despite the fact that she had a lunch with her, right. She was wanting everybody else's lunches and wanted to always go through the lunch line. And so therefore we must not be feeding her and she's neglected. Right. So I, from then I was like, this is ridiculous. I should not have to prove that we feed our children to people like they're clearly healthy. Mm -hmm. She's a Mm -hmm. chunky little thing, you know? Um, Anyway, so, but from then on out, I've like written a letter to the school, Mm -hmm. every, every teacher at the school to advocate for my kids before we even get there in the spring, in this, what, what season is that? In the fall. <laughs> we even get there in the fall. So that way we know, like, hey, here's their history. There's trauma there. There's so many things you can't see and that you don't know. If you have any questions, please just call me and ask me. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, we've done that too. And when I talk to other moms that have kids with these kind of problems, they feel guilty because a lot of times, um, it's behavioral issues. So they're embarrassed to go into the school because their child, I have a story that I went to a parent teacher conference and the first thing 
teacher said to me was, every single parent teacher conference is about your daughter and what a bully she is. And I just like shrunk in my heart, like, oh, every parent thinks I'm a terrible mom. And but what I tell moms now is if your child was going into a schoolroom and he needed a wheelchair ramp and that school didn't have it, you would advocate. This is the same kind of advocating. Mm -hmm. It just is not physical. It's it's behavioral and emotional. And um, but I think sometimes I've heard moms say to me, I just it's embarrassing because some of their behavior doesn't reflect well <laughs> on our family. And yeah, so I know you understand what that's I like. Understand. He's been um, caught several times stealing. He likes to steal paper from the teacher, which is such an odd thing to steal. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I was going to steal <laughs> from it would not be paper, um, but also stealing from other kids and stuff. And I'm, I'm like mortified by it. It's just, mm-hmm. it is so embarrassing. And so, because it, it does feel like it's reflecting yourself. And so I've had to really step in and talk to myself kindly, like I would a friend. Um, right. And I, I've really learned to kind of get the teachers, especially our SPED teacher. She's amazing. And is on my team. So everybody who has questions just goes and talks to her and she kind of inter intercedes for me in a way um, in dealing with other teachers and their scary assumptions about our family. And she's just been really amazing. And so I'm finding that having that one person at each place, like one person at therapy, one person at at school and one doctor that I can just constantly go to and say, Hey, we need this. Hey, we need this. is really great. And I think part of that, what you just said is talking to yourself like a friend because mm-hmm. if you came to me and said, this is my child is stealing paper and everybody thinks that I would say that's not anything, no reflection on you. This is the reflection on what's what his condition is. Right. Mm-hmm. So but it's we are so hard on ourselves. And I don't know if it's because. Well, I have two kids with attachment disorders. One has a physical disability, so he gets all kinds of grace because he has a physical disability. And I'm not saying that all kids with physical disabilities get grace, but my daughter who looks typical, she doesn't get that. So, and that just, I think that puts us in a shame hole to some degree. And I, and I also think what you just said about you have one person. I wish you had a million people (laughs) everywhere you went, (laughs) but you have one and that's good. And if, if, if you're a mom that has those kind of issues, find your one person and be vulnerable and say, this is what's going on. And, um, Because that is advocating for yourself and your child. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it took a while to get there. Her name is Lisa. It took a while to get there with Lisa. And a lot of tears on my end of like, Mm -hmm. I I don't even know what to do. Like, I need your help. She works with all three of my buddies. So I'm like, I I just don't even know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please help me. And so she's just been so great. But it's it's taken that piece of like, I don't know what you're going to think of me. And Right. Two tears going to her and saying, like, please help me. Yes. And I think that's the piece that has really kind of bonded our relationship. And she knows, like, I care about them and I love them so much and I want the best for them. Mm-hmm. And she also knows, because she works with them on a daily basis, how incredibly hard they are, you know? Right. Right. And that that it's hard to be vulnerable, especially when you feel like all everybody's shooting daggers at you or, or judging you. I used to crack up that when I would go to school and my daughter is black, so she doesn't look like me. <laughs> so nobody would assume immediately she was my child. But one day I had a person came up and go, are you Grace's mom? And I, I immediately had this, oh no, what's she going to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Do I lie? <laughs> and, 
<laughs> yeah, do I lie? And um, she goes, oh, she's so funny. And I, you just, I would immediately like the armor up, like, okay, what am I? Because I've heard the opposite. So <laughs> anyway, I think it's super important that we, it's hard, but to be vulnerable and be open to those people that can help us. And not everybody's going to get it. And if they don't, like not all the, not every, prof- lots of people aren't going to get it, but not every professional out there is going to understand. But I think we have to keep trying and keep trying um, until we find that person that can help us because we need help in this kind of parenting journey for sure. Um, could not agree more. <laughs> even just having someone who is willing to learn. Right. Like on their end. So Lisa, I'm like sending her these trainings and mm-hmm. kind of educating her as we go so that we were together learning how to best take care of them. And, and that's been a, a beautiful thing. And I know that there's a lot of like the vice principal of the school is not that way. She could care less. She cares about her numbers. She cares about whatever, you know? Um, so finding the person that's like willing to learn and really loves our kids enough to want to see good things for them. Right. Um, one of the things we talk a lot about at Take Heart is connection. So you're connecting with these people, but how do you find connection with other moms or people that get it? Because it's it's not common or at least everybody's underground or too swamped to reach out. So what kind of encouragement could you give our listeners for that? (laughs) (laughs) If it's hard, say it. It's okay. It's definitely hard, but I also feel very, I feel like the Lord has been very kind to me. Um, And this may sound very cliche, but to pray for people because I, Carla, one of my dearest friends, she grew up with a sister who has fetal alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who else in the world? Right. I don't, I, no other friends have that, right? And so she's one of my dearest friends. And so she gets she gets their behavior and she'll come back with a story about her sister and like, oh, one time, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so that just makes me feel not so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our amazing, amazing, amazing attendant who comes over like every day has become a part of her family and is so precious. And she is the oldest of nine and two of those buddies have special needs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and one has Down syndrome and then one has another genetic disorder, but it looks a lot like our, our buddies with a lot of rage and um, mm-hmm. like it's a, the psychosis and the low IQ mm-hmm. mixed together. It's just a really hard mix. And so she is amazing and she has taught me so much on how to be patient and be kind and <laughs> um, just to think about the next step of what we need to do. And I don't think that's cliche to say, um, to pray about it because God knows what we need and it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately, but I think we just have to keep reaching out and hoping. Um, I have said before that I have a good friend who does not have any of these issues at all, but I didn't tell her stuff. Like she said, I didn't know, I didn't know how to help you because you didn't tell me. I didn't know like, cause it just, you get tired of sometimes of always being the one that's like, okay, here's the thing that happened next. But yeah. to have those few key people, either they get it or they're willing to try to get it makes such a huge, huge difference. Just a couple of days ago, I had an issue and I didn't tell anybody about it because I was like, oh, it's a behavioral issue. And I thought I'm just tired of it. And, but I could feel it like building. So I finally just called a friend and said, okay, here's what happened. I'm not like stressed about it. Like, I don't know what to do. It's just par for the course parenting children like this, but I just hadn't told anybody about it. And just even saying it out loud, like this is the thing that happened, um, just made me feel lighter. So I think that's really important for moms to do as hard as that is. So 
one of the questions that I was going to ask you, and this is this is um interesting in that if you could go back to yourself, your younger self, or a younger mom's just starting out on this journey, mm-hmm. what would you what would you say? What kind of because it's long and it's hard. Um, what do you think you would say? I think I've thought about this question a lot and I th- <laughs> I think that I'd probably um just encourage myself to continue to reach out. Like it's just a constant asking for help from others, admitting you can't do it all. Like that just feels so constant now and I'm very comfortable with it now. Like I have no problem right. asking for help and asking for resources and all of those mm-hmm. things, but I remember the first time that we got um we went into the DSHS place and got services for our kids. I felt so guilty and ashamed that I was like using government funds for something in my house. <laughs> and now I'm like, bring it on. I need all yeah. the services I can get. <laughs> like, and I've, I've had to like pep talk myself in this many, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this comes across, but just if, you know what, the government would be paying a lot more money if they were in a home somewhere and right. they were trying to do this institutionally. And so it's okay that, I'm taking these resources and it's okay that we have people in our car. Like I, I, whatever the guilt piece of is like using people's tax money for our family just felt really awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm okay with it. Now I'm more than okay with it. There's, a, it there. <laughs> There's a part of that guilt, whether it's they need therapy and a lot of people don't feel guilty about taking their kids to therapy or maybe your non-special needs kids need therapy and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. There's that part of guilt, like you just said. Um, and I think with kids with fetal alcohol and attachment disorder, one of the things that has been hard for me is it's behavioral. So I think surely I could get a better system. I think I always say this, I would not expect my physically disabled child to hike a mountain with me. He couldn't do it. I wouldn't like be mad at him or frustrated or try to make the mountain smaller for him to do it. But with the behavioral issue, it's so hard to know. What can they control? What can they not control? And and I don't know about you, but a lot of times people will say, well, if you just did this discipline system or this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you're, you're like, oh, I know. So I think there's a lot of guilt that goes with that because you just think if I just figured a better system to get them to do this or do that. I had, I talked to a mom recently and we were talking about stealing, which is really common in kids. And for years we were like, okay, we would say, you can't steal. Here's the consequence. And finally, it is, is what it is. Sometimes I just, I would say to, I would say to a younger me, sometimes it just is what it is. <laughs> and all that energy that goes into trying to get a better way to deal with this behavior is probably better spent on therapies and other things instead of me trying so hard to figure out the behavioral piece because it's it's hard to figure out and I don't know if you could, ever can in some kids so yes it's <laughs> like delegating it to others and giving that mm-hmm. like taking that off your plate giving yourself an hour of quiet instead of fig- right. trying to figure out our new system for stealing and right sending them to some sort of therapy. I think it's a lovely plan. <laughs> so how do you find time for yourself or do you? <laughs> I do. Um, so apart from our, I mean, our little buddies are clearly very difficult, but apart from that, we've got some good, we do have some good systems in our house that just help things run smoothly. So like laundry and mm-hmm. um, time for myself and time for my husband and I, and um, 
we just really had to prioritize those, especially amongst the crazy, because the crazy is always going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Like forever and ever, I feel. <laughs> so just really making those things a priority and really planning through all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I go see a counselor every other week and go see a chiropractor every other week and get a massage. And um, I just know that that's so important or otherwise I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. Right. I, I, I think it's interesting that we find time. We'll get our kid to speech therapy. We'll get our kid to this and that, but we won't do that for ourselves. Um, and I know you have mama systems. I want to talk about that in a minute, but first I want to ask you another question um, about how your faith has grown in this uh, whole uh journey. Every interview, I'm like, I'm not going to cry, but I probably (laughs) it's okay. Um, I mean, it's just constantly, it's constantly growing, constantly stretching. I, I do feel like ever since we started this journey that people have been against us and, Mm -hmm. um, it's spiritual warfare is the only thing I can think that Mm -hmm. is, is going on here. Um, and so sometimes it feels like I'm like, Lord, why are you, why are you letting people call CPS on us? Like, this doesn't seem like who has time for that. Right. You know, like we're trying so hard to be good parents and we're trying so hard to meet every single one of their needs and do everything for them. And, and yet let's throw something else on there just for fun. Right. Um, and I feel like the Lord has made it very clear that he's allowing us to go through those things so that I can help others. And and not even like, hey, this is how you get around CPS or here's what you do step by step, but just, hey, you're not alone. Like somebody thought we were neglecting our children too because she was eating off the floor, you know? Um, I just don't want any other mom to ever feel like it's so shame-filled. It and is. FASD is so shame-filled. And mm-hmm. having CPS called on you is so shame-filled. It and is. infuriating at the same time. And right. I just don't want any other mama to ever feel alone in that. Um, So definitely like seeing those trials is for his good. And also just realizing day after day that because there's so often like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I can do this for another, however long they're going to be in our home, probably till they're 60 or something. I don't know. Um, Or until they just, I don't, I don't know. We don't need to talk about that, Um, (laughs) but it feels like an overwhelming, daunting task. And I just have to keep remembering. And this is my same response when um, people ask, like, do you regret doing this? Do you you wish you wouldn't have done this? And my response is, you went one day, I'm going to stand before God. And I know that I will, he gave me this task and I was faithful in it. And I showed up and I did what he called me to do. And he's the only one, like he's the only one I'm, I'm trying to please. And so while, I mean, granted, all the other things all the time, I'm like, oh gosh, oh gosh. But I feel like I'm just constantly being pulled back to that of like, you're it. Like this is, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you called us to do this. And so, um, I don't know. I feel like that just keeps bringing me back to center and what's important. You're going to make me cry now because I totally resonate with that because I've been asked that same question. Would you do it again? And God called me to do this. It is hard. This is one of the hardest things and it's, but I, but I agree with what you say. And I just, I loved how you worded it because this is what he called us to do. And I didn't, I did not have not doing it perfectly, but I'm being faithful 
to what he's called me to do. Um, and for moms out there who are struggling with that, um, we both want you to know, especially kids with FASD and attachment, you got, you are not alone. <laughs> we understand the, like you said, it's shame-filled. I love how you put that. I don't, wish you didn't have to put it that way, but <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> so it is. So anyway, for you moms out there that are um, listening and feel that shame, just know that both Laura and I understand that. And there are other moms out there um, that feel that too, because it's such a unique road and hard road. Um, but we also know that God holds us in his hands. Sometimes though, it seems like he's not, <laughs> but <laughs> some days <laughs> I love when someone goes, well, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> he does. <laughs> All the time, every day, every minute. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable with that. But I do want to hear about mama systems. I, um, I love, first of all, I love anything with the system, but um, I do want to hear about mama systems a little bit. Yes. Can you tell us about that? I would love to. Um, so it's a mama consulting company and it's kind of started back when we first got the three. Like I felt like I had life pretty under control. I was a great mom, you know, just had five children and could do anything in the world. Right. And then these three little people come into our house who are like displaying ADHD and bipolar and I mean, they're three, two, and one, and they're already have all these things that are like, ah, like just absolutely crazy making. And after that first, that first like six months or so of living in complete survival mode and just trying to get to bedtime, I was like, we've got to come up with something. We've got to do something more than just, we can make it to bedtime, you know? Um, and so I really, I sat down and I kind of had to plan out and prioritize like, Hey, what are the things I want to be? Cause I, I want to be instilling things in these children. Our goal is not just to eat and live, right? Right. So how can I do that? What are the things I want to do? What are the things I need to get done during the day? Like, how are we going to accomplish laundry? How, you know, all the things that go on in the home. And then also the things that I want to be going on in our home that weren't going on in our home. And I just kind of sat down and created systems for those things. And after, I mean, after about a year or so, our house is besides when we have a rage situation going on, apart from special buddies, things happening, our house is really peaceful mm-hmm. and there's a lot of order here. And it's not just because I'm a super organized person. Like I like things organized, but I'm not super organized. Right. I just, I like systems and I like to have some control of things. And especially with not having control over them, it, it feels good to have control mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. things in my life. And so, um, several years down the road friends would come to me and ask me for things and like how how do you plan for therapies and tutoring and taking care of all these kids and then doing xyz and like managing all these things it's like oh i got you let me plan it up for you mm-hmm. and i was like oh this is so fun so <laughs> starter mama systems because i was like oh this is so great i love helping other moms feel at peace in their home and have joy in their home even amongst the crazy and life mm-hmm. and all the things so i like what you said that you weren't naturally organized. Cause I could hear a mom going, yeah, she must be naturally organized. Or I love how you've shared your story about what your home is like, because I could hear moms out there going, well, she doesn't have kids that rage and, but you do, you have this crazy <laughs> kind of life, but you have order and peace in the midst of it. So, um, where can, um, we find you, where can they look at mama says, I know you have some free resources on there and then you offer, 
I'm sorry, excuse me, you offer some courses and some different things. So if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so you can find me at mamasystems.net. It's M-A-M-A. And on Instagram, same thing. And Facebook, same thing. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, I do offer one-on-one coaching and then also have some courses for home order. But I really want to share with you that I'm starting a new, hopefully by the time this airs, this will be up and running on my site, but just a new page of resources and um, educating about FASD. And it's going to be called Advocate Like a Mama will be the Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of side situation there. And so have resources and training for different things like medical binders and things like that, how we can get all that stuff organized. And I mean, the paperwork and the timesheets and all of that can be so overwhelming. So I just want to have free, free resources for mamas with special needs buddies. Oh, that's wonderful. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Laura, for being here today. It was great to talk to you. You're so welcome, Amy. Thank you. And I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability and um, sharing your journey as a special needs mom. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week on Take Heart. If you love our podcast, could you please do us a favor and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to? You can also follow Take Heart on Instagram or Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments or would like to share your story with us, please follow the links in our show notes. We love hearing from our listeners and we love hearing your stories. Listen in next week as we continue our Take Heart Summer Interviews series. You won't want to miss it.